such a catch. We're currently on week three of the She Can Do It, the empowerment series, a short segment of episodes where leading ladies are sharing their stories, their passions, and their purpose. If you tuned in last week, I have one question for you. Have you bought the book yet? (laughs) Future boards, baby. I am still working my way through the book. I am being a good girl and doing all those homework assignments. And if you tuned in, you actually heard Sarah gave me a bonus assignment. Yes, that's right. I am supposed to write a letter to my future husband future state. So it's supposed to be five years from now. And oh boy, so many emotions about that. I am going to save that lovely task for after I finish the book and all the assignments in it. And yeah, I mean, I'm actually excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Um, It's definitely an interesting exercise. So any of you other single ladies out there or single men, I mean, you could do the the opposite. You could write a letter to your future wife. If you're going to do that, I want to know how that process goes. And I will totally share with you how it unfolds for me. So on today's episode, it may not be everybody's cup of tea. And by that, I mean, it may not be applicable to you, but I can assure you that this episode, it's personal, it's deep, and it's real life. I don't know about you, but as I got older, I realized what a miracle it is to have a baby. I mean, growing up, you do everything possible to prevent pregnancy. You take birth control, you use condoms, you take the morning after pill, you plead with a higher power, God, or whatever you believe in. Please, please, please let me get my period. Am I right? But then you get to a point in life where you want to start a family or have a baby and you realize it's not that easy. There are so many factors that come into play where you just think to yourself, how did teen mom have so many options to choose from? (laughs) But all jokes aside, infertility, IVF, and the process of freezing one's eggs are real and relevant topics, especially if you're in your late 20s or 30s. In fact, after I secured Catherine Solholtz as a guest on my show, I was at the local yoga in Manhattan Beach enjoying breakfast by myself with my Future Boards book. You probably saw the post on my Instagram, but I took a break to actually check my Instagram, aka I was procrastinating, and I came across Amy Schumer's post. If you follow Amy, you know she's been very open with her pregnancy, with her you know baby boy that she had, Jean, and now she's sharing her struggles with giving Jean a sibling. I took this as a sign, so I immediately texted Catherine because in Amy's post, she also said, if you've been through IVF and you had any tips or you know things you wish you would have known, there was a phone number to call in her bio and to reach out and she wanted to know all the information, all the details. So after texting Catherine that this was all happening on social media, 
I reached out to Amy. <laughs> and uh, naturally, I let her know that Catherine and I would be podcasting that evening. And uh, I welcomed her to come and join the podcast and uh, also have some Thai food with us. <laughs> so, so, no, she didn't show up on my front porch that night. But what I love about Amy is she's real. And as a celebrity who has access to the best doctors, I'm sure the most recent developments and all the resources at her fingertips, in her most vulnerable state, she solicited input from everyday people. Shortly after her post about IVF, Oprah had Amy on as a guest on Weight Watchers Now. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but she's actually doing this like 2020 vision tour called Your Life in Focus. And if you haven't seen the interview, I highly recommend it. Oprah is amazing as always, and Amy shows up in typical Amy fashion in a sweatsuit and sneakers, bringing humor and light to such a sensitive topic. In her interview, she says, women are warriors. She's right. And Catherine's story, advice, and experience is proof. So today, I am lucky enough to have Catherine on the podcast. I met Catherine through a mutual friend who... I don't even really know how it came about. We just decided to do a happy hour one night. So it was her birthday and you came to the table with your husband and your daughter. And I don't know, I spent the rest of the night talking to you. (laughs) I was like, we were fast friends. And I mean, I wasn't just even talking to you. I was talking to you and to Will. And I don't know. I was engrossed in the conversation. I was learning so much about you. I was like, this woman is living the life that I want to be living. (laughs) And I was just hugely inspired. Plus, your husband was giving me an education on freezing my eggs, which is what we are going to talk about today, amongst (laughs) other things. Does he always do that when he meets somebody for the first time? (laughs) No. And actually, I remember leaving and thinking, boy, he was just like, not sensitive at all because I've become very sensitive to talking about that subject matter with other women. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of different reactions from women. I was like, well, you've got to kind of like bring it down, down. a nut. So I, he's like, I didn't think so. I thought, well, how cool. Like here we are having this crazy girl talk, right? And and we are at a birthday party, which is funny. And we are, we are having this sidebar conversation about freezing eggs and having a family, starting a family, like meeting a man. And he is like fully engaged in the conversation. And like, you know, not just listening, but like offering input in, in a male perspective. And I was digging it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's rewind. Let's talk about first, you know, how you met Will, because I think that's important too. And and that was eye-opening for me because you are a success story from the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was interested because I was listening to your other podcasts and hearing all the things that you were talking about and specifically the algorithms that each one uses, because there's a lot of those that are now on currently being used. Like there was no Tinder. There was no, there was none of those. There was- right. Well, and I know there wasn't Hinge because I let you use my phone upstairs and you were like, (laughs) you couldn't figure out. I was like, oh, I swipe up. Like I was like, (laughs) I thought I went to the right to see his pictures. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Like there was no phone access. It was all on computer. It was all, and this was, gosh, this was 11 years ago Okay, that I, we met on the internet. I had just broken off a three-year relationship engagement and I was 
pretty much ready to meet and date. So what was the time frame in which you called off your engagement to when you're like, okay, I'm making a profile, I'm in Which engagement? (laughs) (laughs) I know. You hear that, ladies? She has been engaged Um, a total of three times, right? Yes. One being successful marriage. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting because I was finishing college and I was in a graduate level class and I had left that relationship and I was really felt really freed after leaving that relationship. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was right when Match was becoming popular. Okay. But still really taboo at the same time. Uh And I was in an interpersonal communication through gender communication or something, some weird graduate level class that I was. And he said, you know, is there anybody in the room? There's like 20 of us in this room. It was not a very large class. And he was like, is there, sorry, is there anyone here that would like to run a personal ad because this is still when personal run ads were personal like ad. like an actual Ooh. imprint personal uh-huh. ad. And then is there anybody that would be interested in doing an actual the internet? I don't remember what he called it. It was like internet dating or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I'll do it. And I went home and I had a roommate at the time and she was like, I'll do it with you. So we both signed up for it and we got on there. But the worst part was I used to go home. I mean, used to like go home and I would do my thing on whatever the show, you know, whatever the on match, like I would right. meet people and things. And then the next day I would go to class and we would pull my profile up no, on a screen on the wall. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so what, your messages of too? messages. So when I met Whoa. this gentleman, John, um, yeah. when I met him, I told him, I said, you have to understand something like, I really am interested in dating you. And like, you're a great guy. And yeah. he, we were together for three years, but I was like, I just have to, you have to know that like, I looked at your messages with 20 other people in a graduate level <laughs> class at college oh my God. to study the way that we communicated and like how it was yeah. compared to that's fascinating and kind of looking at it because it was an interesting, I think it was right when it was becoming popular or yeah. even, or but even, you know, you available. could not do that in today's environment because dick pics. Yeah. Like you, you'd be like, <laughs> it's so uh, true. It's so know, true. You know what I mean? There like, was no, like, it was all question based. There was no, like, there weren't a lot of photos. Like right. you had the option of putting in like, you know, your profile uh-huh. photos, but you were limited to like 15 of them or whatever. And you'd want, there were definitely no dick pics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. This yeah. is fascinating. So you so. were like a science experiment. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then our relationship came out of it. He's an amazing man. And, you know, I ended up leaving the relationship because I didn't feel fulfilled at the time. Mm-hmm. I think I also just felt too young. Right. It was like too much mm-hmm. for me. So, and then I dated more on the internet. <laughs> I went out on maybe like four or five dates via match.com. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I renamed it fuck.com because oh. everybody on it, which I think now it's is Tinder. probably Tinder. Tinder, yeah. So comparable to that, that I would go out on dates and it was just like, people wanted to get in your pants. And I was right. like, well, this is not how it was yeah. in Denver. I was going to say, I thought I, I remember like, the story you guys met on eHarmony. Yeah. Okay. And so okay. then I went and then I was like, okay, well, I'll try out eHarmony. I'd never done that before. Yeah. So when we had met, I'd been on like 182 dates. Yeah. Will had been on like zero. No way. <laughs> so when we uh-huh. went out for our first date, and it was March 13th. I do remember that, which by this, this is our 11th year together. And we just figured it out this past year of when our date was because he oh, had okay. it he had the email still uh-huh. oh, and that's God, not email. because of like well that's yeah. not because of like him being sweet that's uh-huh. just because he's crazy and he saves every email in the whole world <laughs> so he like went through his emails and I think he might even found his receipt I think that oh, might have been what it is I've married to a budgeter and like yeah. a financial guy and so he was I think that's what it was he went back and found his receipt from 
HG Real was just uh-huh. where we had our first date. And oh my goodness. So. We just met there, and I remember my outfit. Like you, you know, do. You, oh yeah, uh-huh. totally. Yeah. I, I. What were you wearing? I had this super low cut white shirt on, and I had like a shirt over that, and then I had jeans on. You know, like a casual yeah. thing, but uh-huh. like enough of my tits were showing that yeah. it was perfect. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we we had a great date. We just had a great conversation, and I could tell in the conversation that he was ready to be in a relationship, and we were both really happy and smiley, and had a great date, and. We left and like, and at that moment, did you think this is going to go the long haul? Because I can only imagine like if you had made it to an engagement, not only once before, but twice, like Mm -hmm. you kind of knew those feelings and what led, but you were also very good at trusting your gut, Yeah, you know, because you didn't go through with either engagement. And I know like I've talked about, you know, having kind of these moments where, I realized like, oh, maybe I was making a bad decision, but I didn't trust my mm-hmm. gut and I just kept pressing forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which can, which can definitely easily happen. I think mm-hmm. anyway, so then we started dating and then we were together for six, seven years. Oh, nice. Um, so big and step. then, yeah. And we kind of uh-huh. knew we wanted to be together and then we got married five years ago. So we've been married for five years. This just passed December. So, mm-hmm. And then walk me through the process too. So you always knew you wanted to be a mom. Yes, I did. And so you both agreed that you wanted to have a family. And- yeah, our first date, we talked about it. He's like, how many kids do you want? And I was like, probably like three. I came from a family of three. Uh-huh. And he's like, good, I want three too. And it was like one of those first things where you talk about and you're like, well, that matches. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, check that box. Yeah. <laughs> check that box. So part of me wanting to have you come on and talk about this and talking about infertility and, you know, like me opening up about deciding whether or not to freeze my eggs. I mean, these are all really personal Mm -hmm. subjects and, you know, um, not a lot of people choose to speak about them in public. But one thing I really appreciate about you and, you know, about Will is like, you're very open with your story. And I think that is the only way that we as humans can really like relate and know like having these feelings and going through these things, there's other people out there who are resources, who can help educate us, who can just, you know, be supportive to us in what we're kind of going through. And society does put a pressure on us, whether we like it or not. And I've tried to ignore that. (laughs) Yeah. And I... (laughs) I and think now a lot of people, yeah, yeah, no, I think a lot of people, there's so much pressure. And and I've had friends who are exactly in that position, who they knew they wanted to be a mother and the relationship thing wasn't happening for them. And one friend in particular that I'm thinking of, she really wanted to have a child, but she really wanted to have a child with a man and have like a dual relationship. You know, that's what she grew up with. That's mm-hmm. what she knew. That's what she felt right to her. And I think she was probably 40, 40, might have been right after her 40th birthday that she chose to freeze her eggs because she's like, okay, I got to take this control of my own, you know, destiny here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a mom and I don't know how this is going to be. She froze her eggs. And I think like within a few months of that, she met her boyfriend Uh and they got pregnant. Oh Um, my gosh. They're still not married, but they have a beautiful boy together. And it's crazy because it was like, you know, it's the whole attraction thing and it's the whole, you know, she put it out there and she was available for it and then it happened. Wow. Did so it she happen didn't and- even use the eggs that she froze. Mm-mm. Wow. Nope. Mm-hmm. And has a beautiful boy. And 
I, that's what I feel like. And we talked about earlier about how if somebody decides all of a sudden to finally go on the internet and date yeah, and they do that, it opens them up to a new possibility of the whole mm-hmm. world being the universe being open to them being open. Right. And sometimes internet dating will lead to you meeting someone else in another, you know, Realm. venue. Yeah. yeah. So no. in that case, I was like, there it is again, like life, hers going, I will have kids. And mm-hmm. all she needed to find was this guy. And right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there you and- have it. It's just, it's neat. It was her story. And, but yeah, I, I think back to your question original, I, I definitely have always wanted to be a mom. I was a professional nanny. I, that was mm-hmm. what I did. That's what I moved to LA to do. Um, that's what I did in Colorado. I was very successful with it. It's amazing to me how low nannies are paid now <laughs> from what I used to make. But it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like it was, I it was always part of it, but you know, Will and I didn't choose to get married until I was, well, five years ago. So I was 36 at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, and I will open this up because I'm very open about this, but I had a miscarriage and it was shocking for me because, you know, I was like, am I going to have issues? Like, is this mm-hmm. a thing? Right. Yeah. And then within two months I was pregnant again. And that time we were much more guarded. Right. I'm Taking sure. a pregnancy test is a very different feel. You're uh-huh. like, okay, we were pregnant. But like, let's, you know, now let's figure out what the next step is. Like there was no, there were no tears of joy. There was no excitement. There was, Mm. oh God, I hope this is going to work. So you go through the motions of like, you do this appointment, you do this appointment and you find out things piece by piece that Mm -hmm. the baby's okay. You do genetic testing at a certain week and then you figure out, okay, the baby's good there and the baby's good there. And you slowly build this, okay, this is good. We have a good, healthy baby. And that was the case with our second pregnancy. And we now have our daughter, Colette, mm. and she is three and a half. And, you know, we uh, anybody that's listening that's a mom, it just rocks your world. It's just a totally new role. It's your, you know, I went to a lot of postpartum um, depression help groups and things through mm-hmm. a local group here. And just the shared story amongst everybody is... But what about that that I used to have and I used to be able to have do this? And I remember the, the woman that ran the group was like, it's never going to be like that ever again <laughs> in your whole life. So you've got to let go. So it's like this whole new, you know, shift. The postpartum stuff is more of you lost, you lost the way that your life was, but you're mm-hmm. still who you are. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. It was still me. I was still really happy. I was so grateful. I was so happy to have Colette and she's just a dream. And you're just, you know, you're just like most people hate that they had to get up in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, I had to get up and they were up for two hours. Well, I was like blissed out in the middle of the night because the world was quiet and I would be nursing Colette and it was just her and I. And it was like the whole world felt asleep, but us. Right. And yes, my life is very different now than it was three and a half years ago. Right. So at what point did you decide to start trying for your second? Um, Well, at a year old, I was diagnosed with melanoma. That kind of rocked our rhythm of what Mm -hmm. we wanted to have our, like how we wanted it to line up. So at a year old, I had major surgery to remove melanoma from my body, from my abdomen. And I had a lot of recovery to do within my abdomen. So Mm -hmm. I was very, besides not being able to be touched and very protective of my body, my body had just gone through a year of nursing Mm -hmm. where it didn't feel like my own. And then I had this massive surgery, abdominal surgery done. And I just was kind of protective of that whole area of my body. And that made being intimate probably 
real difficult for mm-hmm. me because of even being touched or anything hurt. Mm-hmm. So that led us to kind of postpone all that probably about six months for my okay. from so Colette was one I think that's probably when we would have started to try and the whole cancer thing came in and then probably about six months after that I was even to a point where I wanted to consider you know trying again mm-hmm. at that point where my body felt physically able to do right. it again and mentally I mean, and mentally yeah, yeah dealing with fine. cancer is not yeah and just <laughs> I, I mean, I was so, there was definitely a, a new freshness to life for me. Like I had gotten a second chance because it was pretty bad. And mm-hmm. they were like, you're going to survive and this is going to be great. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be able to live. I'm going to be able to be a mom. Like everything was kind of a blessing at that point. Like I right. was like, this is great. So we started to try and we got pregnant again. And we found out in May of 2018, we found out I was pregnant again. Okay. That pregnancy lasted quite longer. And I was very excited because we'd had Colette and I'd had this successful, you know, right. the successful pregnancy. And so I shared with everybody that I was pregnant again. All my friends knew and my family knew and everything. And I ended up losing that baby um, at 10 weeks. So that miscarriage was very difficult. It was painful. It was um, nothing that I would wish upon anyone. Um, Terrible. And I think that's probably where we said, okay, there's something going on. Like there's, Mm -hmm. you know, what happened in the situation. We kept trying after that. There's a nervousness that you have after that, I think, and that I want to honor for people who may be listening and know that there's a a very nervous, protected behavior you have after that, that Mm -hmm. But we kept trying and it wasn't happening. I went to my doctor and then they basically run every blood, they run blood work on you and all those things. And, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so for the listeners out there, like, I think this is such a real issue. You know, this morning, Catherine and I had planned on podcasting today. And then this morning I was um, at breakfast and I got onto Instagram for a minute and I came across Amy Schumer's post and it was very real and it was very spot on. Like I felt like it was a sign. So she is trying to get pregnant right now and she's doing IVF and she is, you know, someone who is always kind of putting her body out there and just being real, showing like the real human side, even though she's a celebrity, which I do appreciate. And Mm -hmm. and I thought she was very vulnerable today because not only did she post her body and talk about her process, but she also posted a phone number to have people reach out to her to give her tips. She said she was very emotional and, and she just needed to know, like, is this right? It, it, you know, what is this process all about? And I think like you you're should, like Catherine, call her. I know. And I, I, I was, was like, well, I saw it. I was like, Amy Schumer does not give out her phone number. There's right. no well, way. I'm sure it's her team, but you yeah, know, but I'm I, sure everybody and their mom is reaching out. But like, how huge is that? Mm-hmm. And how huge is her opening up and sharing her story mm-hmm. going to help other people too? Yeah, and hearing her pain and knowing that in, in her post she describes that um, that she's doing it for her son to have a sibling, and yeah. that and that was. That was the reason that we went through this because Mm -hmm. I can't imagine my life without my siblings and I can't imagine without my sisters and um, and so that was where most That's of my motivation was. Because yeah. I've never thought of it from that oh, perspective, but I can't imagine my life without my brother. Yeah. The way, and I don't know if this is the case at most reproductive centers, but this is how it will be if someone mm-hmm. wants to go and freeze their eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're basically there and he says, this is going to be your answer. This is going to mm-hmm. be what's going to probably handle your situation. He looks at your personal you know, history, mm-hmm. all those things. And then he says, 
I would recommend that you both do IVF. Mm-hmm. I recommend that because Catherine is, you know, 41 at the time when we were there, I recommend that you do three egg retrievals to get as many eggs as you can uh-huh. because you want to have at least two more kids. So he's like, I, you've got to get these eggs now because mm-hmm. they're going to be, they're not going to probably be there next year. Like, right. Wow. And that was something that, that I didn't know. Like this was where all of a sudden I was like, I don't know any of this. Well, I'm married yeah. to one of the most, Will will research everything and anything to the point where he prints me up packets and I can <laughs> hear him printing in his office and then he staples them and he brings them out to me and I'll have like a 40 page article on like you know, whatever I need to, whatever the question was, it could be about like oil in a car or it could be about (laughs) like IVF, like all of a sudden I'm well-educated because of him. And I love him for that. So I started to do research and realized after you start to kind of see your past playing in your brain. And Mm -hmm. I remember sitting at my OB appointment back when I was getting like a pap and doing all my regular checkups Mm -hmm. at 35. And I remember my OB saying to me, you probably want to freeze your eggs. At 35. Oh, uh-huh. And I remember... So that conversation happened. Oh, yeah, yeah it happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it happened. And I got defensive. My doctor shut up. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they basically feel right. like they have to say it. And I think I've had a lot of friends who've also said that they feel extremely put off by that conversation, oh. offended. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think most of us hear it when we mm-hmm. hear it at 35, that something is wrong. You need to do something. You know what I mean? Like right, you need to right. freeze your eggs yeah. because something's wrong with you because you're not in a relationship and you're not getting married. But the whole basis of it, which is now what I tell my girlfriends that I'm like passionate about, and that's what Will was getting passionate about, is the egg health at 35 in a woman. If you actually, I have a, a picture of a graph. Like mm-hmm. it is shocking. You can post it on your Instagram. Yeah. But like it is, you see at 35 and it is just down. I mean, it no just way. falls straight. Really? Between okay. 35 and 40, it is a massive drop, a drop in both egg quantity and egg quality. Mm. And so those are uh, both. Mm -hmm. So you're not like all of a sudden not having as many eggs. Well, you're not. And the few eggs that you have that are good, the chances that you're having intercourse and having those fertilized on those few months, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's like two months out of the year at the age of 40. Wow. You have an Uh actual great egg that comes out of your body, you know? And then if, did it miraculously happen that you got the right timing and the right everything and then it's gone Mm -hmm. and then the loss is gone. That's why people, I think, battle with infertility for so long because it's like you had that moment in time and if it Mm -hmm. wasn't the right moment, then it's gone again. And where earlier on in your life, you know, you're like, why did that 20 year old get pregnant with like nine kids and have no problem? And then that's sometimes women's story throughout their whole life. There's people who are in their forties that also have that that don't have that issue. But I learned that after. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. So I never had a doctor have the conversation mm-hmm. with me. I recently, within the last you know couple of years, have brought the topic up. So I, I did this maybe two years ago. And then, you know, I've mulled around the thought in my brain, you know, just kind of hoping I was going to meet the right person so it wouldn't be an issue. And then, you know, whenever I discuss it, like with my mom, you know, she always says, you know, there's so many kids out there, Erin, that, you know, need a home. Like, if you can't have them for yourself, like you could always adopt. Mm -hmm. And I do like that option too, Mm -hmm. but I just always kind of wanted to have my own child. Mm -hmm. 
But I think it's a very big commitment when you're not in the relationship to Mm -hmm. then really go, okay, is now the right time? And I think where I struggle, and, and this is different than your situation right now, is if I freeze my eggs and I go through the process and I spend the money and I don't meet the man or I don't have that relationship, I feel that I would have to use them because that's the end goal anyways. And I think that scares the shit out of me. You know what I mean? So why do you feel like you would have to use the eggs? Because I feel like otherwise, why go through it? Why put my body through it? Why mentally go through that process just to know that it might never come to fruition? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like anything I've ever done in life, you know, like let's let's just use college as an example. Like it was never an option to to start going down the um, collegiate path and then realize, you know, middle of my sophomore year, oh, college isn't for you. You don't need a degree. Like, you know, go jump out and do this. Like whatever I'm going to dive into, I'm going to see it through. So I feel like that's where I'm at, you know, in that process. But I know that- The see it through. Right. I I get that. I hear that. I feel like it's a very expensive backup plan. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's Uh how I describe it to people. Yeah. I'm like, it's a backup plan. Mm-hmm. And it's an expensive one. Right. And can you like share, like you don't have to give the exact amount, but can you share like what the range, because I'm thinking it's what I've been kind of told is like about $10,000 for the process. And then you pay an actual fee to keep the mm-hmm. eggs frozen annually. You do. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. Okay. Um. So with my process that I went through, we actually have frozen embryos. Mm-hmm. We don't have frozen eggs. Okay. So we actually went through the fertilization process for the embryos. Mm-hmm. We didn't just freeze eggs. So it, okay. at, for you, you would just be freezing your eggs. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a lot less expensive because okay. you're not going through all of the, uh, you know, the embryologist and doing all of that work, which is where a lot of it goes in. And there's also a whole other gamut of drugs that you do to do the fertilization process and the transfer and all those things. Mm-hmm. So there's all those other drugs. I feel like after our experience, the most expensive part of the whole process is the medicine, is the drugs that you're okay. injecting. So all your and injectables. And so what, like, what are you injecting and how does that work? And are you injecting yourself? Um, I did. Yes, okay. I did. Some people don't. It was really easy. It was, really? And uh-huh. I, I would hate to say that and have the people that had a really hard time with it be like, no, it wasn't. It was so hard. It was really... Um, painless. It was, you know, it's a prick. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a good Are we talking like one inch. shot a day or? Um, it's, it's a whole process. So you start off, I mean, it depends on the person. So you're mm-hmm. going to be like one, one friend of mine that just did IVF was on like a quarter of the amount of drugs I did because she okay. wanted to do what they call mini IVF. So you're not doing as many drugs. You may not get as many eggs in the egg retrieval. Mm-hmm. It's a little more gentle on your body. It's mm-hmm. a little, well, I'm, I'm all balls in. Like, I'm like, if we're doing this, we're going for it. If we're going to spend the money, we're going to get as many eggs as we can. I am willing to do this. And that's where I I did a lot of. It was like, I mean, it sucks. It's not fun. It was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did three egg retrievals with each egg retrieval, the dark side of it. Every egg retrieval, I gained 10 pounds. I was very, they take you kind of, they put you on a no exercise except for walks. And and Uh I went from spinning five days a week to walks. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and it's like, they're very, you just go vastly from, different. Yeah, yeah very yeah. vastly different. And so they put you on, there's just restrictions that they're, you know, they just feel like this is what you should do. I think mm-hmm. that depends on the doctor. I kind of went to a very, what I learned later, a very old school doctor and his method has worked for him. It mm-hmm. worked for us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's the, it's the whole mindset of like when you're doing it, you know, all the injections. Um, I did three rounds. 
And I think the first round, first shots, first day of shots is nerve wracking. You're like, is this going to hurt? What is this Mm going to feel like? What's this going to do to my body? Second egg retrieval was like, okay, I'm not going to let it like take over my life. Like I kind of let it did the first round. And then by the third, I was just done. And you Uh really, a lot of doctors won't do any more egg retrievals post three. So what the shots are in the beginning before the egg retrieval are drugs that are going to make you create a lot of eggs. So Mm -hmm. when your body would normally release one or two eggs and a few follicles, your body is creating follicles, a lot Mm -hmm. of them. And then they go in for the egg retrieval and they pull those out of the follicles. And And are you awake during that process? You go under. You go under. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you also go under for something. They basically will go into your uterus prior to this whole process. Only one time. I only had to do it in the very beginning. It's called a hysteroscopy Mm -hmm. where they go in and then they make sure that your uterus is clean. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So they'll cut things and they'll do things or they'll scrape things or do whatever they need so that your uterus, your your lining of your uterus is nice and receptive Mm -hmm. to having eggs and things in your body. I went in and had a great hysteroscopy. They didn't really have to do much. I've Mm -hmm. had other friends that have gone in and, you know, not pretty, but you go under for that. So you go under for that. You go under for the egg retrieval. So the transfer is you do not go under for it. It's a very gentle, I mean, as gentle as going through your cervix can be. Uh It's a gentle process. (laughs) Um, It's very quick. It's crazy to think how quick this all can happen, you know? Uh Um, And then after they do that, how quickly do you find out if it takes? Not quick at all. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) It's it's called the two WW, the two week wait. Um, Wow. And a lot of women suffer through those two weeks. There's a lot of two weeks, two week waits through infertility, like through Mm -hmm. the process that you go through. They put the embryo or embryos into you, Mm -hmm. um, implant them. I had a fresh transfer done after mine. So this isn't going to apply to people that are going to go have an egg retrieval because you're Mm -hmm. just going to have your egg retrieval and they're going to freeze everything. Right. We went through egg retrievals, fertilization, Mm -hmm. biopsy, the embryos, they freeze the biopsies, they freeze the embryos. Mm -hmm. So when we go back to find out about those embryos, we just look at the biopsies. So you don't mess with the embryos before thawing. So they're just going to stay frozen until we pick which ones we actually Mm -hmm. want to use. And we'll figure out which ones we want to use by looking at the biopsies. Mm -hmm. So that's all later. And then about two days before we did my third egg retrieval, um, Will and I went in and talked to the team. We talked to the doctor, the embryologist, the nurse that had known us for almost a year at this point through the three egg retrievals. And we all kind of sat down and talked about the benefits of doing a fresh transfer right then and there. And the risk. So the risk was we're going to go ahead and transfer a couple of the embryos that we create post. They pull them out of you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They fertilize them. uh And then they pick the best looking ones because they can't genetically test them at that point. And the risk is you don't know if they're genetically healthy. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and I slept on it. And the next day we had two days to decide. And I slept on it and I woke up the next day and I just looked at Will and I was like, what do we have to lose? Let's try it. You know, let's do it. And, uh. And we did. We did a fresh transfer of two embryos. And we now are, well, I'm 22 weeks pregnant. And we now know a little girl, um, which, you know, we didn't know the genders of these right. embryos or anything either. So could we did the have, fresh transfer. Could you have selected them? We we can with our next. So okay. the process that we'll go through for our next is we have currently 10 embryos frozen, mm-hmm. 10 biopsies frozen. Uh So what we'll do is we'll go into the biopsies and test all the biopsies and find the most genetically healthy. 
And in that process, you'll also find out what gender they are. Will and I would have the option to pick if we wanted a gender. And are you going to elect to do that? Um, we haven't decided. Oh, um, really? Will, Will, I'm surprised he hasn't said, well, let's get the boy. Well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and I, and I would love for, I would love to have a boy too. I'm so glad Colette gets a sister though. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't want a, either a boy or a girl. I just, God, you just want healthy to have a baby. healthy baby yeah. and you just want to have, I just wanted to have a sibling. But then it was like, I found out it was a girl when we found out it was a girl. I just, for a moment I was like, but I was like, she gets to have a sister. Like, yeah. You know, like I, she gets to experience what I had in my life and you just go, oh, like it's so great. Now we're at week 12 at that point and you're like crossing your fingers, Mm -hmm. praying, hoping there's no excitement. There's no excitement anymore. I mean, it's just, um, even when you want to feel excitement, you don't let yourself. And then, and then it's like for every, I just had a girlfriend that went through IVF and did not have good results at the end and are, you know, is, is without and, she went through a lot and I just listening to her, you know, I can't imagine being in her shoes and being at the end right. of it and going, we have nothing uh-huh. after all of what she's been through. And it, it's like for it's me, as someone that doesn't know what infertility is, would never know what I've experienced. I would never know what she experienced, you know, yeah. to go through all of that process and to end up with, with nothing is just, mm. it's hard. It's just, it's, it is, it is a hard hard thing and fertility it's something that is painful it is so painful for people if you had the ability to give somebody advice today who knows they want to be a mother but maybe hasn't met you know their match yet um, to take that next step or you know, maybe they are a new couple and they just met later in life. Like, what is your suggestion as to the steps they take to make sure that, you know, they're setting themselves up for success in terms of starting a family? If I had listened to someone that Mm -hmm. I could have like listened to my older self, written myself a letter five years out and looked back and said, freeze your eggs. Mm-hmm. because it's only a backup plan. You may never need those eggs. Right. You may be out that mm-hmm. $10,000, $12,000, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money to be out of, but at least you had a backup plan. Right. Because who knows if you have two, you meet somebody, you guys have two kids, but you wanted to have four and you hit your 40s and all of a sudden it's not happening for you anymore. Well, guess what? You get to go back to your 35-year-old self and say, hey, 35-year-old, I'll take some eggs. And that 35-year-old is going to go, here you go. Here's right. your here's your 12 eggs that you did. And you're going to be able to get pregnant a lot quicker. And yeah. that's where it's that's where it matters. So even if your story doesn't end up needing the eggs, like mm-hmm. you said, like I'm all in, I want to use them, there's a chance that you do meet a man and you guys have babies normal and you don't have as many as you'd like or that there's something later on in life. It's a backup plan. Right, right. But it's expensive. Yeah. So if a listener um, wanted to ask you a question or, you know, maybe share their story with you just for feedback, empathy, anything like that, how can they reach you? Uh, Amy Schumer can call me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Amy, Amy, we ordered enough Thai for you, girl. Amy, yeah, there's plenty of Thai food here for you, Amy. No, absolutely. Um, I I was honored that you asked me to be on, and I'm happy to share my story. Um, I could sit here for another three hours and, you know, profound on things, but people could reach out to me to my email. It's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at uh, Fancy Post, which is my greeting card company. 
and it's spelled kind of funky, but it's P-H-A-N-C-Y. So fancy with a P-H <laughs> and P-O-S-T for post.com. So it's Catherine at fancypost.com. Perfect. And I will also put the link um, in my podcast notes as well as I'll, I'll do it on my social media sites too. So, but thank you so much, Catherine. You are amazing. I think I knew that the second I started talking to you (laughs) and you and Will are an amazing couple and Colette is great. And I can't wait to meet the new little baby. And if I decide to embark upon this journey, you know, I am going to tote you with me to that office because I am chicken. Yeah. (laughs) I would be, I would be honored to be there with you. And and I commend you for even looking at the situation. And I think, it, like you said, it's a it's an it's a hot topic. It's an important topic, and it's something that women do need to talk about. Infertility, more people need to talk about it. Thanks for tuning in to your Such a Catch. I hope today's episode shed some light on real women's issues. It's okay for us to discuss these things. In fact, it's important that we do. If you're in need of advice or someone to talk to, please feel free to email me at erin at yoursuchacatch.com. I may not know all the answers, but I can empathize and help connect you with Catherine or someone who can provide those answers. Did you love this episode? Did it hit home for you? Please drop a rate or review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you tuned in on. I always love the feedback. I've posted a link to Amy's interview with Oprah on my website, yoursuchacatch.com. I encourage you to watch it if this episode hit home for you. I'll leave you with this last thought as I contemplate. Should I freeze my eggs or not? (laughs) Oprah asks Amy what her vision for the upcoming year is towards the end of the interview. And Amy answers, saying, having a baby has been a beautiful experience. She says, I have to recommend if you have the resources to have a baby. It's so life changing. To all my listeners out there, this is me being raw and real and vulnerable. I hope one day I'm afforded the opportunity to be a mom. And I will dedicate this episode to my mom. Because without her, oh, I can't even imagine life without her. She is my mom, but more so she's my best friend, my biggest fan, and I love her to the moon and back.